podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hey, this is Mike with the FinFans Podcast. Each week we come to you, we bring you our opinions on what's going on within the Dolphins organization. Uh, we uh, shoot straight, we, we don't BS anyone, and uh, here we go. And it's another podcast. How are you, Lewis? I am doing great. We're closer. I say this every week. We're closer. We are closer, and we're real close now. I mean real close. You if can you go outside it. your front door, you can smell the wet grass. You can smell the wet grass. You can smell the leather of the football. You can smell, well, never mind. Enough with the smelling. But yeah, it's, um, you know, it's getting close and it's getting exciting. You know, um, baseball season's, you know, a haul. It's long. They're at the halfway point. Um, you know, you get into July and, uh, boy, you know, you know, football's right around the corner. You got to love it. Yeah. Well, you know, the NFL is, is year round and, uh, you know, people are talking and people are, uh, curious and, and they've got questions and, and they threw a bunch at us this week. So we're going to go ahead and answer them. Sure. Uh, but before we do, uh, okay. there was a little bit of movement today. Uh, the dolphins did, a, uh, agree to terms with, uh, their safety, Javon Holland. Okay. Very um, good. He was, the, he was the 36th pick and, uh, he should get a deal somewhere around 8.7 million. He'll probably get a 3.7 million signing bonus roughly. I mean, these, these are rough figures. Um, the dolphins also cut defensive end, Nick Coe and long snapper Rex Sanahara. And they added Shaquem Griffin, the linebacker, and Sayonara Sarahara. Sorry, Mike, <laughs> yeah, I had to yeah, get that in. Go ahead. Yeah, and Crevon LeBlanc, the cornerback. Gotcha. Okay. So they uh, beefed up the bottom end of their defense. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the guy that they uh, signed in the secondary, more of a special teams player, I think, um, adds a little bit of depth. But yeah, I mean, you know, listen, they, these guys. He's got some experience. He's played, he's played some games. So. Yeah. They evaluate and they realize that, hey, you know, there's these these guys are players that can help the football team give us some depth. They know what they're doing. You know, I mean, are I think sure? that better than I, – I do. I, I truly believe that this regime, more than any recent regime, knows what they're doing talent-wise. And, and it's shown – on the football field. Now, you know, when you draft players, Mike, and, um, you know, and they fail you, you know, that's a whole different ball game. I mean, you know, they come out, um, they, they're all, you know, your first round, second round picks. If they fail you, you know, they, they, they were there for a reason. I mean, obviously they were projected in these rounds. It's not like we drafted a guy in the first or second round that wasn't projected at that point. So, right. You know, sometimes the guys fail you, but I think that they've done an outstanding job with signing free agent rookies and guys that have actually contributed to the football team. They've brought guys over that have contributed to the football team. You know, I felt that the the ends that they the edge players they they signed last year, Ogba and um, oh, what's the other fellow's name? Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson. They they were very productive players for us and. Um, you know, I, I think they're doing a very, very good job in regard to evaluating talent and getting the right guys in here, you know, to win football games for you, the guy, you know, pieces to the puzzle. 
Well, it's a perfect lead into our first question. Okay. Sean Dixon wants to know if Davis beats out Kinley, do we think Kinley is a bust? And then he says, from reports I've heard, Davis has the edge. Uh, could that be Miami also telling Kinley to get your butt in gear and uh, get game time ready? Well, I mean, it's early right now, and Davis has got more experience than Kinley. Um, I I don't know what the guy's work ethic is. I I know that Davis is a worker. You know, he's a, he's got a nice size contract, and you know, this is what his fourth season now. Something Davis, like that. He's been around a while, right? I mean, so he's got a little bit more experience. So I'm not surprised that at this point. He may have the edge on him, but that doesn't mean Kinley's a bust by no means. I mean, there's still a long way to go. Um, you know, the thing about it is we know what Davis is at this point, right? Right. We know what he is. So with that being said, we don't know what Kinley is at this point. Uh, he can go one way or the other. So I know he's overweight. He's, he's yeah, he's overweight, but, um, you know, that's nothing that uh, – Two weeks of hot summer weather here in, yeah. in August can't can't um, you know take away. So the bottom line is it's it's early, and when the season starts, we're still a month and a half away from that. A lot can change. So yeah, he may have the edge right now, but we'll see where it all winds up. Yeah, that's right. It's a long you know preseason, um, so you know Very things, much. things can change. Right. Greg Warren asks, uh, not sure if this is a question or not. He can form it into a question. It is pretty much a question. He says, wondering if I'm the only gloomy Gus or if there are others who really don't care about the brand new state-of-the-art facility just opened up by the team. I just want wins, a competitive team, and continued growth. And I'll tell you this. The building will never win a game for the Dolphins. The only right. thing that will win a game for the Dolphins are the people they put inside that building. Right. Sim simple as that. They won championships at St. Thomas University. If you've ever been there, you would know it was a dump, but yet they were the best team in the league. So that tells you how important the facility is. Now, on the other hand, the facility is a draw. Um, a beautiful facility like that is going to help draw free agents. So in that respect, it will help the team. The guys recovering bumps and bruises it will help. So, you know, there are ways it will help, but it's not going to win for them. They have to go out and win themselves with the right people. Yeah, that's a resort. <laughs> I mean, that that place is just incredible. I mean, I watched the video and it's insane. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine guys complaining, working in that atmosphere? I mean, you can't complain. I don't care. And I understand that when you get to that level, it's all business and whatnot. But my goodness, I mean, you know, I guess everybody says this, but I, I would, I would play there for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you would. I really would. I mean, just just to have fun and to experience, you know, the, it, that place is incredible. It's just, I, I couldn't believe it. It's phenomenal. The amount of money that the NFL has. And, you know, they, they, I know we're going to at some point get a question about X-Man, but I'm sure there's one out there, right? But, I mean, you know, the Dolphins, all the money that was spent on that facility, the NFL has a ton of money. Pay the guy, for the love of God. Just pay him. Figure out how to pay him, but pay him. Bottom line. We'll get to that, Lewis. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> 
Mark well, Rutherford asks, if our O-line doesn't come together this season, is it time to start buying talent rather than continually using high-round picks? There's no talent to buy. I mean, you have to – listen, you have to put an offensive line together through the draft because nobody in their right mind in the NFL, knowing the importance of your offensive line, is going to allow a good football player to walk away. If they do, then there's a reason behind it. Um, that's why we got so much for our tackle that we traded a couple of years ago. You know, the Texans realized that there was a lot of value there, that they were close to it being a Super Bowl team. Now, it didn't work out for them, but they felt they were a few pieces away and they felt that they were a left tackle away and maybe another player, and they were Super Bowl bound. Um, so, you know, you understand the importance of that. Guys like that just don't get away from football teams. So you have to do it through the draft. And we've done, yeah, we've done the free agent thing, Lou. It, and it's, it, it, it's very rarely worked out in our favor. Exactly. It, it honestly hasn't, Mike. I don't remember the last offensive lineman that we signed in free agency that actually worked out. Can you remember one? I mean, well, there's there's been a couple. I mean, I think back to Incognito. He worked out for us for a little while before he went lunatic. Well, it, you know what? That that's a really good one, actually. Okay, yeah. but how many years ago was that? Right. Okay. It's it's a rarity. It doesn't happen often. It does not happen often, and <laughs> we understand. Albert came in, you know, and he gave us a solid season, and then then his age started to show, you know. Yes. And, you know, incognito came with baggage, you know, so it was a situation to where, uh, you know, they were basically, they were fortunate in that circumstance. Um, But it doesn't happen that often, okay? So they have built up a ton of young young players there, right? You've got Austin Jackson, you've got Dieter, you've got Eichenberg, you've got... You've got Hunt, you've got Kinley. For the, and, you know, they, 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 they have Fluker, who's a veteran guy. But he's not going to be starting on this football team. There wasn't anybody great out there available in this, in this free agent offseason. And if there was, they come at a hefty price. I mean, they're going to take up a ton of your um, cap, right? Yep. So this is how you do it. We've got to live with what we have. I don't think these guys are going to be as bad as, you know, I, I don't know why people think they're going to be bad to begin with. I thought they did an adequate job last year. I think that there were a lot of issues. You know, we had receivers on the field that, you know, that basically just weren't able to get open. Uh, Tua was a rookie. And, you know, the, it made the offensive line look a hell of a lot worse than it may have actually been. Now, I know their grades – you know, didn't go over well. But again, this is a young, young offensive line. And they've got to learn. That, that did not have a training camp. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, we use that on Tua, so you got to use it across the offensive line, right? Absolutely. You know, that's it's that simple. You know, these guys got to learn just like Tua does. And um, collectively, if they do that, then they'll be successful. I think these guys have some talent, and I think that they are going to be just fine when the season starts. They have enough depth there to where the five guys that actually start are going to be a solid offensive line collectively. We hope. <laughs> we hope, right. I we mean, hope. that's my opinion, yep. you know, but, uh, you know, yes, I, I do have my fingers crossed on yep. both hands. So We hope they stay healthy and we hope they improve. And, you know, there's no reason to think they can't do either. 
Agreed. Uh, Rusty asks, what's the consensus on uh, X? And uh, if they do, in fact, trade him, what can Greer expect to get in return? Um, an awful lot. I mean, he's going to get – I mean, if he winds up getting traded, um, it, you know, the Dolphins aren't just going to give him up for next to nothing. I mean, I don't care how nasty this gets. It's going to be a situation where we're not going to give him up for – you know, for peanuts. I mean, they're going to get a lot in return and they should get a lot in return. I mean, if there's a team out there that thinks that, you know, he's the difference between them being a real Super Bowl contender and not, then they're going to, they're going to roll the dice and they're going to take a chance on him and, and give up what we ask for. I don't think this situation, and again, this is my opinion. I don't think this situation is, is, is as volatile as as we're being what it's what's being put out there let's go that route okay i think they're making more of it more of this than what it actually is and i honestly think that at some point they're gonna they're gonna get it right it's that simple i really don't think x-man wants to pack up and and move over to another team i i think if he's a smart guy he realizes that the dolphins are you know are right there they're on the verge of becoming a very very solid football team he's up there in his career so you know maybe he feels that he needs to go to a Tampa or somebody to get a ring but um you know if I'm X-Man I'm not I don't want to go anywhere I mean I don't know what his relationship is with the, with the team or the coaching staff but you know I it, it's so hard to tell Mike there's so many intangibles here that us as fans don't really know well, he's, um, he's not happy, you know, and it started when obviously uh, Byron Jones got signed because he made more than him and that pissed him off. Right. And then when they drafted Igbenogany, I guess that uh, that upset him even further. You know, it looks like they're trying to give his job away. Well, so I mean, you know, listen, there's guys that are brought in every year, you know, to try and replace another guy. I mean, these guys have to have thicker skin. If that's what's bothering him, then, you know, and just keep playing the way you're playing. You're not going anywhere, you know? Heck yeah. I mean, it, it, that's ridiculous. At some point, yeah. he's got to be replaced. I mean, you know, it, it, he, no football player plays forever. So if his feelings got hurt because they drafted a guy in the first round to add depth to this football team, that that's, that's just plain silly as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that's foolishness. Now, with that being said, if he just has an issue in regard to the money, then then that's an easy fix. If there's if there's other intangibles, which again, like I said, if we don't know as fans, you know, issues with the coaching staff, right, um, so on and so forth, that's a whole different ball game. But if you look at it as a fan and it and and you're looking at it, and if he's looking at it strictly as a money situation then it's a fix that can be fixed. You just figure out a way of making the guy happy and ending it. End the story. You know, I mean, I just hate the fact that we talk about it so much. I wish they'd just figure it out already, get it done, and let's move on and uh, talk about football instead of contracts. Me too, because you want to be optimistic about the defense and the team, and then this is just, an, you know, it's a sore. And I he's sore. our best player. You know, I mean, right now, you know, he's our best player. So, you know, you definitely do not want to get into a situation where you're losing your best player. You just don't. 
Mark Rutherford asks, is part of X's success last year due to teams not wanting to throw against Byron Jones, and Jones therefore had a better season than many gave him credit for? Um, yeah, I mean, listen, both of the guys are very good football players, okay? And we always talk about the fact that um, – we we don't we couldn't understand why teams continued to throw at him. And if you have a guy on the opposite side of the field that's not capable of of doing the job well, then of course you're going to attack that situation. We saw it when Jones went down in that short time frame that he was injured, yes, where they we were did. they were attacking our other corners, whoever it would you know whoever was out there. So. Absolutely, it makes a difference. I mean, that was the reason they signed the guy. I mean, they weren't trying to hurt X-Man's feelings and paying him that kind of money, which was more than what he was getting paid. They were trying to solidify that secondary, and and, and that's exactly what they did. So, yeah, th- there is some... Um, you know, there is some truth to the fact that, you know, when you have a guy on the other side that's capable of covering players, you know, you look at matchups and they're like, well, you know what? We like our matchup um, with X-Man on DeAndre Hopkins because we, you know, we saw how the Cardinals, it seemed like they were throwing at X-Man all day, right? right. And uh, sometimes successful, sometimes not. So, yeah, you, you definitely see that situation. So, you know, with that being said, absolutely. That does that does factor in. Now, Steve Medema asks, true or false, the defense will still be primarily reliant on stunts to generate a consistent pass rush this year. I think this season, because of the addition of Phillips and McKinney and the fact that you still got Ogba on the other side who did a really good job of getting to the quarterback uh, you know, on his own, for the at least the first half of last season uh-huh. before he started getting a little more attention. Um, I think that the pass rush will be straight on better without using gimmickry. So, um, yeah, I do think it's going to be better, but I think you're still going to see all kinds of shit thrown at the other team's quarterbacks, period. It's sure. the bottom line. Why wouldn't you? Um, you don't want, you know, you know, we always complained for years with these other regimes in regard to how vanilla our defense was. It's like, come on, you know, you're throwing a four man rush at this guy. I mean, mix it up, do something, send a safety, send a, you know, an all out blitz. You want to get that quarterback's heart beating just a little bit faster. That's yeah, all. Exactly. You know, you want to get in their heads. You have so, to you yep. have to mix it up. You can't yep. just rely strictly on a pass rush unless you've got four studs across the defensive line. Now, you know, Wilkins is going into his third season. Now maybe he becomes that stud. Phillips, you know, first round pick. You know, he's supposedly the best he was the best pass rushing edge player, or at least a lot of, you know, a lot of different um you know, a lot of different uh what are they, Mike? Scouts. Now the scouts and the um, uh, the different sites and whatnot had him as the top defensive, you know, edge player. You know, as far as getting to the quarterback. So with all that being said, you know, you do have some guys that have some talent now. You know, it'll definitely help. But you're going to see a mixture of both, without a doubt. We have to absolutely have a better straight-on pass rush as we did last year because there were times where our, our pass rush was just non-existent. 
We've got two Jakeem Grant questions. The first one is, does he make the team? And if not, why is he still there? Uh, contract or camp body, he, he asks. And I think that, you know, Grant is, is a player that has shown some ability in the return game. And he's good in that regard. So there's no reason to cut him loose too early. Um, I think ideally you'd like to bring him into camp and let him compete with the other returners and then make a decision uh, rather than make your decision before you see the guys actually play. So I, I think really that's the story there. Would you agree with that, Luke? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, you answer your own question. You know, why is he still there? Well, he's still there because he has value. And because we don't know what's going to develop, you don't just give up, give that guy away. You just don't do it. Um, Not if you can help it. They may be forced to because of, of cap constraints, but if they can help it, exactly right. You don't want to. Right. Not this early. I mean, injuries. I mean, this guy may wind up becoming your slot receiver again. You just don't know. You don't know if Albert Wilson's going to hold up. Um, you know, the rookie is still a rookie, you know, sometimes, you know, people have to be patient. I mean, you know, we, we talked about two or we talked about the offensive line already. I mean, if people think that Waddle's going to come in and just, you know, forget it, be the next coming of Jerry Rice, you know, you, you may be, you may be disappointed because a lot of the times it does take a while, especially at the receiver position. Uh, you know, the NFL, you got the best players on the field. Now, this guy's extremely talented, but, you know, again, you know, there were a lot of a lot of these sites that that feel that he wasn't nowhere near, you know, the number not nowhere near, but he wasn't the right guy to take at that point, right? I mean, he kind of shot out of nowhere. You know, I've heard both aspects. Uh, I've heard he was the third best receiver, and I've heard that, you know, he should have been taken first. He's, he's the most dynamic player, you know, that was available. Yep. So it just depends on who you listen to. But the, the bottom line is he's got to come in and he's got to make his mark. Exactly. So, you know, with all that being said, getting back to the original question, you know, Grant's here because – He's been productive in the past. He's a great special teams player. He adds a dimension to a football team that a lot of teams just don't have. I mean, you look around the league, and he's one of the best return guys in the league. There's no, He's got to be, in my opinion, he's in the top three. I would agree. So, And the next question is from uh, Joseph Cusinana, and he asks, seeing Grant will most likely be gone, should they use Waddle as their primary returner? And I know we've talked about this before, Lewis. You want to repeat yourself? Yeah, I don't, I don't like him being a return guy, you know, on a period. You know, it, he's here for, for the receiver position, and that's where you use him. Um, if he's that dynamic as a return guy, I mean that I mean over the top dynamic then you almost have to use him in that situation right but with that comes the risk so yeah you know I I you know I don't make the decisions for for this football team but in my personal opinion I'm not throwing that risk factor out there by having this guy running all over the field on punt and kick returns um, well again you know lewis that's the reason why you go through camp you want to see what everybody's got maybe igbenogany is not as good as waddle but maybe he's close yeah exactly and if he's I don't close know. he might be more expendable in the return game than waddle would be you know 
Mike, it's funny because, you know, college careers are real interesting, right? We had uh, the running back here a couple of years ago um, that that I loved, the halfback. What? Drake. Drake. And he played he, – he was basically a second stringer coming out of college. And yeah. uh, in the NFL – once he came over, we we didn't know what we really had with him. He was what a third round pick, Drake. I think so. Right? Second or third round. Third, I, think I think he was a third rounder, Me too. right? So he wound up being an extremely good football player. You just don't know. You just don't know. And until we see these guys on the football field and playing, you know, we can't assume anything. Bottom line, we just can't assume it. You just got to hope for the best and that they they made good decisions. I don't know if you know or not, Lou, but they picked up Isaiah Ford again, and Sean Dixon asks why. Why did they do that? He knows the system. Um, he adds depth. You know, it's interesting that they did that because does is it telling you something in regard to some of the guys on the back end of our roster that they're not comfortable with, right? The guys that people have talked about possibly making the team. Uh, you know, it, it, that's what you got to look at in, in regard to that move. Okay. You got to look and you got to say to yourself, okay, why in the heck did they bring this guy back? Why is he back? Well, it's because maybe some of the guys down the line, the Alan Hearns, those type of people, Lynn, Bow, Lynn Bowden, right? Another right. one. Maybe they're just not liking what they see out of those guys, and they feel that Malcolm Perry, he's another one. Those type, those are the type of players that we're looking at, right? The guys I mentioned. They're just not happy with what they're seeing out of them, and they feel that Isaiah Ford could challenge them and maybe be a better option, you know, as far as adding depth to this football team. Bring them in, uh, let them compete. You've got nothing to lose. Right. That's what you got to look at. So he knows the system. He knows the coaching staff. The coaching staff knows him. This is what, the third time we've brought him back now? Yeah. I mean, this guy is a guy that just won't go away, uh-huh. right? So we'll see. Uh, Rusty asks, how many wide receivers and running backs do they carry? And it really varies. Um, you probably are going to have 25 offensive players, 25 defensive players, and your three special teamers. Right. So the question is, you know, who do you want on your practice squad and how many of the receivers and or running backs can you afford to keep on your roster? Because if you keep an extra receiver, you're taking it from somewhere else. Exactly. And and running back wise, I mean, <laughs> you've got you basically got four guys on this roster that, you know, that maybe five that. And, and it's not it's not a real good group. I mean, Malcolm Miles Gaskin, I like. You know, Malcolm Brown obviously is going to be there. Dokes, the kid they drafted, you know, you would hope would be there, right? Um, right. And then it comes down to either Ahmed or or Patrick Laird. You know, being being that fourth guy, I don't see them going more than four. You know, I think that Laird can do a little bit of everything. Ahmed is more of just a straight running back. I I don't see him being utilized in the passing game. Gaskin does both things very well. And then you got Malcolm Brown and and Dokes who are going to be, you know, your straight running backs there. Yeah. You know, probably your guys around short yardage and goal line. So, you know, you're going to have four guys on this team uh, that make the squad. Which four they are, I don't know. I mean, maybe Laird has an advantage over Ahmed. I do you see them carrying more than four, Mike? No, I don't. 
I really don't either. I think that, you know, they're going to carry more receivers. They're probably, and, and tight end, I, I think they may carry an extra body, and I think at receiver they may carry an extra body. And if they do that, it's got to come from somewhere, like I said. Exactly. So that means you're going to be short one lineman and you're going to possibly be short one running back. You know, it just depends on how they work the numbers and special teams factors into it too. You know, which of these guys at the low end of those positions can play and excel on special teams. Agreed. Yep, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you have a guy like Gaskin go, that go down, Mike, right? I mean, you need a third down back. So when they when they evaluate these guys and they look at this, they're going to say, well, who would be a guy that can fill in in that third down situation better? Is it going to be Ahmed or is it going to be a guy like Laird who has proven that he can't catch the ball and make plays, you know, in that situation? Right. Uh, Malcolm Brown, I don't know how good a receiver he is. I don't know if he's even that type of football player. And I don't think Dokes is that football player at all. I could be wrong. But with all that being said, that's what it's going to boil down to. I don't think they have – this team has the luxury of carrying five running backs, especially with the talent level that's there right now. It's not like you have five world beaters that, oh, my God, we got to hold on to all of these guys because they all bring so much value to the team. I think that the receiver and, as you mentioned, the tight end positions, you're going to see extra body they, you know, at both of those positions over the running back position for sure. Cole Watson asked, does a, a 500 or below season, well, we can't go 500s, but does a 500 or below season put Greer and Flores on the hot seat or just Greer? And I would say neither one. Uh, I don't. I don't think either the GM or the coach would be <laughs> in jeopardy should they have a bad season this year because they've overachieved the first two years and you know that they've been together. So you know that that buys them at least uh, at least one disappointing season. So that would be my opinion. Do you agree with that, Lewis? I do to an extent. Okay, I I do believe that. Flores will be fine, even if we had a 500 season. I, you know, I've said this before. Okay, so let let let's look at Greer. Okay, and the draft picks and the decisions that he made right over the last couple of years. Um, you know, if Tua fails, that's a big big X, <laughs> big big X, a big problem, right? That that you you got to start with Tua because he was our biggest draft pick. He's our quarterback, most important position on the, on the field. Um, he gets a, he gets an X right there. Okay, you go down to Austin Jackson, left tackle, who was drafted last year. If he fails us, that's X number two, right? Then you go to the cornerback. Okay, in last year's draft, who was our third first round pick. And if he doesn't get better, Mike, over the course of this season, that's three X's right there. Now, you factor in the guys that they drafted this year in the first couple rounds. And if we don't get really good productivity out of them, then Greer's going to have a problem. Um, I can say that because. You know, we, we talked about X-Man. We talk about this all the time. You know, there's a window of opportunity here. This team's going in the right direction, okay? The only thing that can hold us back right now are these young guys not getting, not, not advancing, 
right? In, Not, injuries could also be a factor. You it, never well, know. right. Let's let let's throw injuries out of the picture because obviously you can't evaluate guys if they're injured or not on the field. And that's a legitimate excuse for the team not playing well. What I'm saying is, Mike, if these guys are out there and they're playing 16 or 7, I got to get used to the 17 game thing. If they're playing 17 games and they are not getting better at what they do, I mean, even if they don't start off well, what you want to see is them getting better as the season progresses. Okay, if but we, is that is that coaching and lack of development, or is it Greer and just sloppy drafting? I don't think I don't see it's a, I don't see it as a lack of coaching, Mike. By no means. I but mean, that's that's what they have to decide. You know? Right. That, that's that's the that's the big question. You know. Yeah, I think it. What it boils down to, you know, if you watch the football team, okay. You know, Austin Jackson's got to block better. Tua's got to set up, and he's got to he's got to read defenses better. He admitted that himself. He's got to set his feet right. He's got to get you know he's got to get himself right. It's that simple. Uh, Preston Williams has got to stay healthy. Now, you know he he's a guy the last two years that's been hurt. He's a guy that's dropped passes, but he's a guy that's done some good things as well. So. You know, that's the thing. You know, if, if they're hurt and and they're in and out of the lineup, that's that's a legitimate re- excuse. But if they're out there and Austin Jackson it, it loses his his starting, you know, his starting job at that left tackle position over the course of the year because he's not producing, that's a problem. Because these are guys we drafted in the first round. You can go back as far as Wilkins, Mike. I mean, Wilkins is a very, very solid football player. But, you know, you want more production out of him as well. So all of these guys are going to be our future. And they're going to be the difference between us being a playoff team and a possible Super Bowl contender or just being, as you mentioned, an 8-8 eight and eight football team. So, you know, as you look at it, and you see the guys that they drafted and the guys that they've came you know, that have come over in free agency and you see what the coaching staff does week in and week out they very much have these guys prepared i think they get a lot more out of what they've had on the field these last couple of seasons so if anybody's going to get a pass because we go to 8 and 8 it's definitely going to be the coach over the gm because if we are 8 and 8 a lot of it has to do with the the young talent that's been brought in well, I promise you we won't be eight and eight. I don't think we will either, Mike, but you know, the question was, you know, the question was asked of that. So uh-huh. you know, that's the answer to it. So Well, we, we play seventeen and you know, I mean they're if they go seven and nine, nobody's getting fired. Right. Then we can't <laughs> you know. go it Mike, if we play seventeen games, we should have just answered it right there and then. We can't go eight and eight. Right. <laughs> right. We said that's an impossibility. We're definitely not doing it and just left the question alone after that. We didn't have to go into a big evaluation because there's no way possible uh-huh. for them to go eight and eight. Exactly. So anyway, Steve Medema asked the first five opponents: the Patriots, Bills, Raiders, Colts, and Bear, and uh, Bucks. Miami must win how many out of those five games to have a realistic chance to make the playoffs this year? And I think that the addition of the seventeenth game gives them a you know you look at that five game stretch and you know they go two and three they can turn it around they've got time they go three and two well they can get worse they got time you know so i don't think i would put any more urgency on the first five games than i would put on the last five um i just think that they need to win as many games as they can and see where they where they fall at the end of the year agreed 
I mean, listen, you know, the Colts and the Patriots are both winnable games. I mean, I know the Patriots went out and signed a ton, a ton of free agent talent. That doesn't mean they're going to be that good. There's a lot of different, and we're getting them early, which is a positive because you got a new, a lot of new guys. Yes, wasn't they positive are. last year. Well, it wasn't <laughs> right, but but the bottom line is, you know, that team's still quarterbacked by a guy named Cam Newton, and I'm not afraid of him. Period. I'm just not. Yeah. You know, if they defense him properly. I think they can beat that football team. I think they can beat the Colts. So I think, you know, they can come at – who are the other – they play Buffalo and who else? You got the Raiders, you got the Bills, and uh, the Bucks. Yeah, the, the Raiders are a definite, a definite winnable game as well. I mean, they're not world beaters. That team, they had one of the worst defenses in football last year. So, I mean, if we came out of there at two and three – I'd be a little disappointed. I honestly feel that they can win three out of those first five games. So we'll see. You know, it again, it just depends on, you know, how well all this young talent, the offensive line to a quarterback coming yeah. in. Exactly. I mean, if they're playing well, they're more than capable of winning three out of those five games. I can't see them beating Buffalo. And I think that Tampa – is a very, very solid football team. They know how to win. They've got a lot of veterans. They have the same group coming back next year, so there's no reason to believe they're going to be any different of a football team. But you never know. You know, That's we right. could go up there and sneak up on them. Um, injuries come into play week in, the week out. So, you know, you hope for the best. But, you know, if you look on paper at those first five games, I think three out of those five are, are very, very winnable. So I think three and two is, is fine coming out of that stretch. Jimmy Winfield asks, in what specific area of Tua's game does he need to improve to be our future franchise QB? Reading a D, arm strength, accuracy. And, you know, to me, it all boils down to Tua getting stronger. And uh, I think if he does that, you know, if his core is strong, I think you'll see a better arm. I think you'll see better accuracy. And I obviously think you'll see better arm strength. So, you know, if, if he can do that, if he can accomplish that, then I think uh, he'll have a fighting chance of being that quarterback we'd like him to be. Yeah, he's he's got to improve in every aspect of his football game. I mean, if, if you looked at his play last year and you watch him on film, you go back, you watch the football games. Um, in all honesty, did you see anything that he did well? Because I, I didn't. I mean, I saw across the board – uh, he has to improve in every aspect, reading defense, everything you just mentioned, he has to improve on. Um, you know, his throws, setting up, you know, his just everything across the board. Because, you know, over those last five or six games he quarterbacked, they, they just weren't good games. They weren't good football games. For well, that last week against NFL. Buffalo was not the way you want to end the season. You know, he threw three interceptions. He looked horrible, and uh, the team followed his cue. Yep. Well, I think it's a matter of decision-making, right? He, he was making the safe choices. He, there was no aggressive in his play whatsoever, so. Right. You know, and, and I think it all goes back to what I said earlier. You know, I just don't think his body was right. And until his body's right, you can't judge the guy. You really can't because if, if you're not healthy, you're not healthy. We'll see what happens. If he starts looking that way, you know, halfway through this year, then we've got issues. <laughs> exactly. Who do we think will be the five starting linemen on offense? 
And if Tua struggles this season, do we move in a different direction? So this is... Uh, That's Robert O'Neill asking that question. So the offensive line, we'll start with that. I mean, right now... I mean, my goodness! I it's mean, a little—it's a little premature for that for that question. It is. You you would think that Austin Jackson is going to be the left tackle, right? I mean, that's what you drafted him for. So you got to figure he's going to be the starter. He's going to be. That's pretty much a lock. And I think Skur is a lock in the center position. That's just my opinion. But I, so I think those two positions are locked down. After that, it becomes a little tricky right um, yeah, that is musical chairs whoever yeah. does the best at any particular position will be there exactly and i and i think that you know you want to solidify the other three positions you know i think kinley and hunt i think are both gonna at some be on the offensive line somewhere now i don't know if kinley will be left guard or right guard but i think he's there i like hunt to be our right tackle I mean, I could be wrong there as well. You got Eichenberg, who you drafted. I don't think he will beat out these other, you know, the guys that that have been here and have a little bit of experience, at least at the beginning. Um, so I think Eichenberg does not make it as a starter on this football team. Um, you know, Davis has an outside shot at playing anywhere. You know, right guard, right tackle, even left guard. Who knows? He he may even be our starting left tackle for the love of God, because he did an absolutely decent job when Austin Jackson went down. As a matter of fact, I think he did a better job than Jackson. I know he's grading out a little bit better in those couple of games, but again, that comes down to competition on that given week. So maybe that that had that right. had fat, you know, that was fat that has to be factored in. But the bottom line is this is that there's depth on that offensive line. You know, you've got a uh, veteran in Fluker as well. You've got Dieter, you know, who some of the sites have him projected as one of our starters, which I think is crazy. But, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe they know something that we don't, Mike. But um, the good thing is, is that there's a lot of bodies there. And there's a lot of names that we've thrown around. And I think that the talent level there is much better uh, collectively than we've had in a long time here. I mean, God, you know, we knew who our five starters were year in and year out. And past that, we were like, oh, Jesus, if any of these guys go down who weren't good to begin with, then we're in a shit, shit world of trouble, right? You know, that's the way you always felt in, you know, in years past in regard to our offensive line. So yep. they'll be solid. Um, now, the second part of that question was if Tua doesn't, if Tua struggles this season, will we move in a different direction? It depends on why he's struggling, Mike, right? I mean, if if we see what we saw, we see a lot of the same uh, of what we saw near the, near the end last year, and we don't see improvement week in and week out, then I think we you almost have to start thinking about moving on because – I think next season is our last season to really be in a good position to maybe, you know, uh, tackle that position, you know, with, with, with a few extra draft picks, right? Well, that's, maybe that's moving in 23. Up. Uh, they have the right. two first round picks. No, but we can use one of those picks in next year's draft to actually move up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, mean, I suppose you, you could, could you give could, up both yeah, of them if yeah, you wanted yeah. to. If you feel that there's a quarterback there that's just going to take your uh, franchise to a whole other level, then maybe you're, you know, you use that as leverage. That's what I'm saying that, you know, past next year, 
Um, you know, and I don't know what quarterbacks are coming out next year. I don't follow it that thoroughly, you know, in regard to the amount of talent, but, um, you have to, you know, if it, 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 you know, again, you know, if you see Tua improving and he's, he's doing a decent job and you say, you know what? Okay. We're, we're happy with this. You know, he's, he's making plays and he's doing the things you want to see. He has improved a lot over what he did last year. Then, I don't know if there's a need to move on from him. But again, if we don't see that and we see a digression uh, as the season goes forward, then we have a problem. So, you know, let's just hope for the best. You know, it's as simple as that. You know, the NFL nowadays, Mike, it's, you know, I mean, you you see what the, you know, Sam Darnold, right, with the Jets, you know, they gave him, you know, a couple years of an opportunity there. And and in all honesty, you know, he didn't have an awful lot of talent the last couple of years. You know, two has been handed a pretty decent group of wide receivers this year. So, you know, I think he's got more to work with, you know, so we'll see what happens. You know, it's it, it it's happened all over the NFL. Denver keeps getting young guys in, and boy, they're they're getting basically one season there, and they're like, okay, you know what, you know, we we may be moving on from you, and it's been happening all over the NFL, and um, you know, it it's just interesting. You look at what happened with Philly, right, with them moving on. Uh, in Chicago with them moving on from their number one pick just from a couple of years ago. It's happening all over the NFL. So if the Dolphins don't feel that he's doing what he should be doing, then they're going to move on from him. That's just the way the NFL is nowadays. It, it, it's, it's just the way it is. It's a, you know, what you got to do it now. And if you don't, then, you know, we're, we're going on to the next guy. All right. The offensive line, I see it as um, Jackson. Uh-huh. Ken- Kenley, Skura. And on the right side, uh, I think they move uh, Hunt inside to guard, and I think Eichenberg is your right tackle. Right. And so you, you think th- Eichenberg starts the season? I hope so. Okay. And I, th- I think they hope so. And if not, you could put Davis at, at right tackle until he's ready. Uh-huh. And now if Tua struggles this season, do we move in a different direction? I think it depends on what he's struggling with. Yes. Uh, is it a physical thing that we can help him improve or is it, he's not reading defenses and making poor decisions? You know, what is it that he's struggling with and, and how confident are we as an organization that we can fix it? And if we're not, then you have to move on. Yep. Rusty would like us to give him a surprise cut and a surprise to make the team. Okay. Surprise cut Tua. (laughs) <laughs> that would be a surprise. <laughs> that would be the biggest of the surprises. A surprise cut. Oh God, that that's tough. I mean, that's it is really tough because tough. we we you know I'd like to go I'd like to answer this after the fourth preseason game, um, you know, rather than before I've seen anybody play. But um, well, I mean, then it'd be a hell of a lot easier. Um, well, that, that's it wouldn't right. so much be a surprise if a guy's not not playing well. Um, I don't know if it would be so much of a surprise, but um, I, I would say Albert Wilson. Um, I think it would be a surprise. That would be a surprise. Um, you know, if if uh, guys, if Waddle plays extremely well and they feel that you know they have a couple other guys that that inside 
can do what he does. Yep. A guy like a Bowden for a lot less money, right? Yep. Um, and they have more than enough depth in regard to Parker and Williams and and Fuller. And, you know, as I mentioned, Waddell, um, Wilson, I think, would be the guy that I would choose. Well, I'll give you a surprise cut, and it would be a surprise then. That would be Dieter. Okay. And uh, yep. as far as making the team uh, receiver, Robert Foster. Uh, surprise. You know what? That's that's really – I mean, Mike, you know what? That goes right in – you know, I mentioned Bowden, but, yeah, Foster could very well make the team, and you could definitely see Hearns and um, – Wilson. Wilson being cut, especially if they give X-Man the money that he wants, right? They got to cut corners somewhere. And, you know, ideally, if you look at it, you know, those would probably be two guys that you're getting rid of, you know, not crazy salary, but, you know, there's a decent amount there, right? And there's enough depth there to where you could cover those tracks. So um, I could definitely see Foster possibly making this team. I mean, he had a little bit, you know, he had a little bit of success in Buffalo. He's got some speed. So well, sure, why not? I like that one a lot, and I'll go with that. I'll I'll um I'll piggyback you on that one. All right, all right. Rod Rousey wants us to name the starting offensive line, which we just did, and the defensive line. So let's go with the defensive line, Lewis. I mean, the defensive line is is pretty set. I mean, you got Wilkins. Um, I would say Wilkins, Davis, uh, Sealer, and and Phillips. I mean, Phillips is your edge, or yeah, they consider him. A linebacker. I I don't understand all that anyway. As far as I'm concerned, he's a defensive <laughs> end, right? I mean, yep. all this new terminology just friggin' drives me crazy. He's a defensive end. He's an edge. Okay, what the frig is an edge, Mike? Could be an outside linebacker. It's or a, a defense, defensive end. It's right. a defensive end, right? Was I mean, was Jason Taylor a defensive end or was he an edge? <laughs> defensive end. He was a defensive end, right? And sometimes he was a defensive tackle, right? Yeah, uh, he moved inside. He moved outside at times. Who gives a shit? the po- The point of the matter is, is that th- those are your guys. Um, th- there's nobody among those uh, um, on our football team that's going to replace any any one of those guys. You know, Davis is very good. Siler is very good, and Phillips and Wilkins are good. I mean, I think those are your four guys that are going to get the majority of the play. That that's a you know the defensive line is not a position to where we have a ton of talent there. I mean Ogba, I should say also. What am I? Talking? Right. I mean Ogba is the other guy. You know nowadays they rotate in and out because of um, you know situations and whatnot. But we're not very deep at that position. You know you'll see John Jenkins, maybe Benito Jones, some of those guys coming in and out, but Well, yeah, you know, I would I would think Jenkins would play a, a decent amount of snaps. Decent amount. I mean, starter-wise, I mean, what do you do we want three guys here, Mike, or do we want four guys? So we're talking about, you know, a left defensive end, a right defensive end, and a nose tackle. If that's the case, then you got Wilkins and Davis and, you know, Sealer. Those are your three down linemen. And then, you know, you've got Agba and, and uh, Phillips as your, your outside linebacker. Outside line, you know, linebacker. I, I call them defensive ends, you know, so uh-huh. edge, whatever you want to call them. Those are your five guys in those situations. And um, and rightfully so, they should be. I mean, 
you know, as you as you name them, it's really not that bad, right? I mean, Siler has been, um, you know, a pleasant surprise. Davis has been pretty solid. You know, Wilkins is the, is the X factor here. You know, right. he's he's got to become a better football player. Yeah, he needs a little bit of pass rush to his game. Absolutely, he's got to become a guy, Mike. That you know, even if he doesn't get to the quarterback, he creates a, a pocket breakdown in the middle, right? Right. And he also stops running backs in their tracks behind the line of scrimmage. You know, that's what we want to see. We want to see a couple of those plays a game out of a number one draft pick. And um, that's what he needs to do, and he has to do it on a consistent basis. If I see that, I'll be extremely happy with him. Me too. He doesn't cut, He doesn't have to come away with 10 sacks this year, but for the love of God, put some pressure on the quarterback up the middle, you know? Just throw a center into the quarterback's lap, that's all. Yeah, don't let Josh Allen sit there flat-footed for 10 seconds. I mean, <laughs> crazy. Yep. Oh, boy. Well, Lewis, that's all the questions we've got. Whoa, thank God. <laughs> what was, do you mean, thank God? Most of them were good questions. I, you know what, Mike? We're doing the show late tonight, right? Uh, yeah. People aren't going to know that. Well, they, they'll know now. And um, Well, we started this yesterday. <laughs> right, right. But what I'm getting at is, is um, you know, the questions this late at night. Right. You Hurts know, your brain. It's a mm-hmm. lot more thinking than what I normally do this late at night. So yeah, it hurts your brain. That's why I said thank God. I mean, I enjoyed doing it, obviously, but uh, you know, it's a lot of thinking very late. Usually, I'm, uh, you know, I'm into a TV show or something at this point. So, and just relaxing. So, uh-huh. anyway, all right. So, Lois, thanks for joining me this evening. Very, very welcome. I enjoyed it. You know, contrary to what I just said a minute ago, it was a lot of fun, and we appreciate the uh, the questions and the input from everybody. And I hope we um, we answered them um, in a, in a good way. I hope so. And I, I do want to throw a shout out to uh, Mike at DolphinsTalk.com. He he gave us a shout out on one of his podcasts, and uh, we much appreciate it. Oh yeah, we definitely appreciate that. Absolutely. And uh, that's going to be it, guys. We'll uh, be back next week. Until then, fins up. The fins up, Dolphins. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 